Okay. Hi, Perry. Hi. How are you? All right. How are you, Phoebe? I'm doing fine. I'm doing really well. I'm just going to jump straight in and ask you, where are you from and how did you end up at Cardiff? I'm Welsh through and through in that way. I grew up in, in Mid Wales in a little place called Bilth Wells. Um, and um, <laughs> for the most mundane of reasons, ended up doing my undergraduate degrees in Wales, in Swansea. I was going out with somebody at the time and wanted to be able to get home at the weekends to, to visit her and ended up marrying her um, in the end. So childhood, well, not childhood, but teenage sweetheart sort of things. So I went to university in Swansea, um, ended up doing three degrees there and then ended up in Cardiff, really, by um, um, there just happened to be a job available and I applied for it. I got it and... Um, I've been here for for best part of 20 years since, really. Nice. Um, what degrees did you do then? Uh, when I first went to Swansea, I was in my first year, I was supposed to be doing a history degree, but I wasn't very good at history and wasn't very interested in it either. So at the end of my first, so, but in my first year in those days, you used to get to try other subjects out as well. So I was trying out politics at the same time. So I did history, politics and geography in the first year. And decided at the end of that, that politics was much more interesting than than history. Switched to that. So my undergraduate degree is just straight politics. I did a master's in political theory, um, and then a PhD in political theory as well. So, so how did you stumble into like doing political theory? Like it's quite in the whole range of like what is politics. Like how did you come to doing that? Well, it was it was started off as the thing that sort of attracted me away from history was we had a first year module oh, it, was, it, was, it was something along the lines of sort of modern ideologies but it was it was you know sort of liberalism socialism conservatism and i always found the ideas interesting but it wasn't until i got to my third year where it really clicked with me i did a module on contemporary political theory and was asked to read work by john rawls first and foremost and anyone who's ever done a module with me phoebe knows that rawls features heavily in, the, in those things and um in my modules. And that's when I sort of got it in my third year. And, and rather weirdly, um, I spent most of the Christmas holiday in my third year reading John Rawls and Robert Nozick and, 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 and things like that, instead of actually enjoying my Christmas, um, rather sadly. And that I, I haven't looked back since then, really. They're quite heavy reads. Yeah, I did do your module last year. Um, <laughs> I remember. So what would you recommend for sort of like first year students if they were like wanting to take like a political thought module? Where's like a good place to start? Depends what they're interested in. If what they're interested in is 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 um, is just like, um, I, I want to find out about what political theory or political philosophy is about in general, then there's a really nice little book, An Introduction to Political Philosophy by Jonathan Wolfe is a good little introductory textbook for that. But if they're interested in something more specific, so I'm just reaching up to bookshelves here. The textbook that I use for um, for second year global justice module now is What is This Thing Called Global Justice? Really nice little thin book, really easily read. But it just says, okay, what about political theory that's more focused on sort of big issues that you might be interested in in the world, because lots of people are interested in questions of global poverty and human rights and, you know, sort of the, the sort of um, push towards even um, things like um, what it is to, to justify war and humanitarian intervention. 
this is a sort of thing that I do in global justice in the second year that I've become fascinated by the last 10 years or so. And this is a really nice little introductory book for that. So that's a good place to, to go if you're interested, I think. So what's, what's your favourite thing about working at Cardiff University? Like, what do you find really challenging, rewarding? It sound, it'll sound very trite in many ways because, um, you know, it's almost like this is what you expect somebody to say when they're, when they're talking to students. But one of the things I find more fun than anything else is getting in, in a classroom. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll get a lot of room, a lot of sort of, sort of hints from some academics that the research is the thing that motivates them. And I really enjoy doing my research and I really, really like it. But I, I, I really enjoy getting in front of a class talking to them about things I find really exciting, really interesting, trying to communicate a bit of that sort of passion and enthusiasm to people um, and seeing how, what they make of it and seeing what you get back from, from students. I really enjoy that. And and it's, it's strange because some of the most rewarding stuff that I do sort of for myself is the first year stuff because um, – that sort of going back into his into the introduction of political thought which is something I've been teaching for quite a long time now. Pete and I published the first edition of our book on that in 2004 as the first edition, and a couple of we've been teaching it for a couple of years before then as we were developing the book. But it's like going back into the sort of philosophy gym in some sense, you know, sort of going back to the basics and doing the sort of the reps in that sense. I don't go to real gyms. I'll go to the philosophy gym and think hard about the basic things again. And trying to talk to students in the first year who've never, most of whom have never thought about political theory or political philosophy in any way, thought in any sophisticated way about justice. They might be committed to sort of ideas like justice and equality and liberty and things like that. But let's start thinking about what the great minds have said about them, trying to get that enthusiasm over and get people to go, Okay, what weird ideas you get in Plato, for example, and yet they're fascinating. If I can get that across to people, that's the most fun I have in a, in, in work. I think. Oh, that's really nice. Um, well, how are you coping though? You know, since everything's online now, and you can't really. I mean, I imagine you can still get the passion across online, but obviously it's all different now. It's difficult in the same way. So, I mean, one of the things I do. It's really weird. I, I found when I started recording lectures, so you're recording lectures, and lectures are great fun normally. I like them. They're a sort of, well, my, if I was being uncharitable about myself, I'd say I love the chance for a captive audience that's forced to listen to me talk about th about things I like for ages. But more, I think there's a, a, the less, more charitable version of that is that is because I can communicate the enthusiasm that way. When I was started recording lectures, I started doing it like this, sat at a desk, he's talking into a camera or whatever. And I, I found it sort of sapped the energy out of it a little bit because you're just, it's more tendency to sit there and read your notes and to talk to people. So I, when I'm recording my lectures now, I set it up so that I'm stood up talking into a camera. I can walk about a little bit and wave my arms around a little bit and try to just sort of, still then think about it as a bit of a well, performance, I suppose, but just, you know, sort of just to keep some energy and keep it upbeat a little bit. So I try to do that. And I try to make the most of the sort of where we get the contact, the face-to-face -face seminars and things like that, or even the online seminars where we're getting the sort of interaction. I run a 
in my module, I run a sort of hour every Friday where anyone can just drop in and come and talk to me about anything. That, that's good. Not everybody takes that up, I have to say, but <laughs> um, it is 11 o'clock and people have got lots of other things to be doing, I'm sure. But yeah, so I do miss that um, sort of feedback from the students in that sense. But um, I guess some of it and it's it's, you know, you get a sense that at least some people are engaging very well. And I think most people are sort of managing. Yeah, it is quite hard to try and engage students. But I think, you know, this big, you know, if you can do a big performance out of it and try and like make it fun and interesting to listen to, then you're doing really well. <laughs> well, from my point of view, it's fun. I, they haven't told me that yet. <laughs> so we shall see. Yes, how to get some feedback. So regarding like lockdown over the, you know, since March, have you got any like tips for listeners? helped you like how did you cope with it what did you do to like get by there's two different things here i think i think for those people who are in isolation so they're having to sort of almost quarantine for two weeks that's a very different experience i think to being under lockdown so being under sort of lockdown where you can still wander about a little bit you can you know go outside to do some exercise you go for a walk you it's it was easier over the summer as well because you go into the back garden we planted a a little, it sounds rather grand to call it a wildflower meadow because it's about 10 metres long by three metres wide, whatever. But planted that just, and and we had loads and loads of wildflowers. So we had loads of insects and things and lots, lots of bees and butterflies, things in the garden. And it just means that there's something that gets you up from your desk. And that's the key, I think, is it's, it's easy enough. I found myself sat at my desk as it's got a bit colder and wetter and less like less easy to go outside. We've all got lots of work on. You've got lots of work on and, and lecturers are providing students with a very much clearer idea of how much work is expected of them. I think over the um, uh, 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 with, with online modules, they're sort of laying out bit by bit what sort of tasks that students they sort of expected students to always be doing, but they weren't always doing them. And now it's clear what they're doing. And so the temptation for anybody must be, or at least the, the, the concern for most people must be, I've got a lot of work on. I must sit at my desk and must do it. And I think the tips for me are is sometimes you just got to make sure you turn that off. Um, you get away from it. You you um, just try to maintain the balance. I mean, some most students don't have a problem, I think, with maintaining balance. But I talked to some of my most hardworking students and how, how they fit in what they do. I don't know. Cause normally they're not only they're doing stuff academically, but they're, they're just filling their time with things. And I'm just thinking, when do they recharge any batteries? And that's the thing. So I'm not big on tips. I haven't got any sort of special um, knowledge and insight that other people haven't got, uh, haven't got on these things, but just taking time and finding something that recharges your batteries and genuinely just doing that committing to it and not feeling guilty about the time you spend away from your work yeah it is yeah it is important to get the right balance it's quite overwhelming so my next question um so what in terms of like political events this year because there's a lot going on what are you like looking forward to in terms of like that any big political events coming up I'm not saying I've looked for looking forward to anything in 2020 and 21 politically. Um, I it, the American elections like a car crash. So I found myself over the last sort of five or six years getting more interested in American politics. I didn't used to be particularly 
interested in politics. It's the philosophy puzzles that used to get me. So philosophy is a load and theory is a, a lot of puzzles, thinking through ideas and their relations. But increasingly getting finding that I just can't not be interested in politics because there's, you know, it, it not only is its impact so broad, but it's just, you know, it's so weird in many ways. And, and this year, as weird as ever. So the car crash that is American politics at the moment, I cannot take my eyes off it. I've got a brother who lives in, in America with a mixed race family. And although he lives in a very nice area and very supportive area, the background uh, sort of discourse on in, in in American politics is probably it doesn't seem to have been a very friendly place in parts for, uh, for 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 somebody in that situation. Yeah, definitely. So I just have some like quick fire questions. Um, oh right. Um, so, <laughs> who's the most interesting political figure you've met? I knew you were going to ask something like that because I don't. I tend not to meet political figures in that sense. So I, I, I can remember meeting Michael Foote, the ex-leader of the Labour Party, amongst other things, but not at a political event. It was at the launch of a, uh, the R.G. Collingwood Society. It was a society, and R.G. Collingwood is a philosopher, historian, and archaeologist. And Michael Foote was about 90, and he turned up with his little Jack Russell, gave a talk about how he knew R.G. Collingwood personally in Oxford in the 1940s, whatever. And then shuffled off. And that was brilliant. I absolutely loved it. Um, I don't have political heroes in that sense, but I thought that was, he, he was just still so full of energy that late in life was, it was just brilliant. <laughs> um, love that. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the most unusual answer you get. <laughs> no, no, we love it. Um, so if you could have dinner with um, two people, dead or alive, who would it be? I feel like I already know the answer. If it's not John Rawls, then. <laughs> yes, I suppose I have to say, for form's sake, that one of them would be would be John Rawls. I actually have to say it would be hilarious to put somebody like Stephen Gerrard, the ex-Liverpool <laughs> footballer, at the same dinner table as John Rawls and watch the conversation happen. Because I love Liverpool Football Club, I love Stephen Gerrard, but that conversation would be hilarious. But probably for, I shouldn't do that. And it's going to be a weird one. It won't mean anything to people. But there's an ex-colleague of mine, uh, Bruce Haddock, who is, a, is a, who's a political philosopher as well. I would love to see the conversation that he would have with Rawls. They were, he's, he's one of the cleverest, most brilliant people I've met ever. And um, the conversation they would have together, I wouldn't need to be a part of. I could sit back and watch those two together because they're both so thoughtful, but also so intellectually generous thinkers that they, they, they would have genuinely brilliant conversations I think and I could just watch yeah probably more in common with those two than Stephen Gerald. so yeah. no that would have just been funny I would love to see how puzzled he was by the sorts of conversations that would happen and the fact that nobody would mention football all evening it would be brilliant <laughs> okay this is a very not very intellectual question but favourite animal favourite animal um but I'm subjected to a house full of animals in that sense, in that, in that um, my, my wife and my kids, especially my wife, is sort of rehomes all sorts of things. And um, so, you know, at any one time, well, recently in the summer, we had, we've got six cats, we had a chinchilla, we had uh, about 30 pig ex-racing pigeons that were sort of due to be killed and we rehomed them. 
and about seven seagull chicks that she had raised by hand and then were beat, which are abandoned by their parents and then were, then were released. Um, in, and two wrens as well at the time as chicks that she was redoing. So I've got lots to choose from. So domestic animals, cats, but my favourite animals are wild animals. And they just, just I like nothing better than walking through the countryside and just seeing animals in their natural habitats. Yeah, well, I imagine your house is very full of it all the time. It must be oh, very noisy. I, yeah, I've got no choice of them. I've never willingly had a, a pet in my life, and yet I've got a house full of them. Shows who's in charge around here, and it's not me. Um, so if you could go anywhere in the world tomorrow, where would you go? All right, that's really weird. I mean, the, 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 that question would be completely different a year ago, because right now, um, although my mum only lives 60 miles away from me, she, both her and her partner um, have... Um, background underlying health conditions and so they've been really careful in um, their contact with people so this year I'd say I'd go and visit my mum I've seen I've met up with her outdoors once in that entire time um, uh, I've not been in her house and she hasn't been here and so I haven't seen her. so this year it would be that um, sweet <laughs> yeah I know it's me a mother I mean for goodness sake it's a bit sad isn't it um, the the if in a in a normal year I actually did one of the things that last year um, one of the holidays I'd always wanted to do one of the places I always wanted to go, and it was it was that and it was Athens a bit of a pilgrimage I was standing you know you go into the academy where where um, Plato uh, taught and where Aristotle taught and you know and you're going to the Pnyx the birthplace of democracy in 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 the world whatever and standing places at the academy and places like that where you go, I am stood on a spot where it is absolutely guaranteed that Socrates, Plato and Aristotle also stood. I mean, there is just 100% no chance they didn't stand here. And so doing that and seeing all, just going around Athens where everything you read about history had not been before about the history and the history of philosophy was coming alive around me. It was, that was my that was my dream holiday in that sense. <laughs> I like that your answers were your mum's or Athens. Interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they're quite different from each other. Um, anyway, yeah, that is that is it. Um, thank you so much for answering those questions and taking your time to do this. That's brilliant. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much, Phoebe. And uh, I hope somebody enjoys watching it. <laughs>